Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. What I want to talk to you this morning is about a way, a model that Jesus left you and I, a model prayer. And we're going to break that down this morning. Maybe you've heard this before, maybe you haven't, or maybe you haven't looked at it this way when you pray. But there's a certain pattern in the Bible. What I love about the Bible is, how many remember the, the scriptures in the Old Testament that say, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. With praise. There's a process. You, you don't come in right away and say, God, today's a terrible day. I'm, I'm in fear. Uh, I, I, everything's falling apart around me. And you don't bring all your needs to him at the beginning. The Lord says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Begin to give him thanks. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the very breath of life today. That I was able to get up out of bed today. That I have a house, a roof over my head. That I have clothes on my back. That I have a vehicle to drive here in. That I have a job to provide for my family. That I have a spouse that loves me. That puts up with me. And on and on and on. Amen? And then you begin to praise him. I praise you, Lord, for who you are. You're majestic. Holy is your name. You're a wonderful God. You begin to praise him. There's an order to the way thing, the way God designs things. How many know that? Amen. It's no different with prayer. And thank God Jesus left us an example. In fact, many examples of how to, to pray. And we're going to talk about that. But before we begin, I want to share a humorous little story, which I often do here. One evening at bedtime, a little boy prayed loudly from his room. He began to say, Lord, bless mommy and daddy. And Lord, give me a new bicycle. And his mother came in holding her ears and said, son, you don't have to shout. God can hear. And he answered, yes, mommy, but dad can't. He's clear down the hall. Obviously, the boy wasn't counting on God to answer his prayers. He was looking at mom and dad in particular to answer those prayers. So again, sometimes we need, to, we need to do some shouting. Sometimes we need to just be still, the Bible says. Just be still in his presence and, and, and put our petitions before the Lord. The point is, are you praying? Are you praying? Are you seeking? And every one of us as believers... We go over these four things in Trails 2000. After you become a member in Trails 1000, we talk about the four habits of a mature Christian. And those are prayer. Those are reading God's word. Those are giving of your time. And that's uh, of, your, of your talents. And then four, fellowshipping with one another. Because see, there's no Lone Ranger Christians in any of that. It's tough to do uh, a life... For God and with God by yourself. How many know that? Amen. You have to be surrounded by those around you that have the same common value system. Amen? Amen. So today we're going to look at that model prayer that Jesus gave us. Again, he didn't say pray these exact words, which unfortunately I, I recited. And I recited as a kid. I didn't know any different. And, and what Jesus is trying to say to us is here's a model. Here's a template Use this so when you pray, you have power. You're doing this in the right order, in the right fashion. Does that make sense? Okay, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 6. 
And as you're doing that, if you'll stand with me this morning, we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And look at that. It's right behind me. For those of you that did not bring your Bibles or electronic devices, it's there, Matthew chapter 6. I want you to get this. I want you to have those scriptures. So we put it up on the screen for you. And I'm going to begin reading in chapter 6 and verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I'm going to stop there. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, your word is, is true. Father, it's unchanging. And Lord, we thank you that we can count on it, that we, we, we can grow in it. And the Lord, that every day that we read it, that you show us something different that we may not have seen prior. So, Father, I pray your anointing, your blessing upon this word that I speak today. Lord, anoint the ears, the listeners today, that they would receive your word and receive it with all power in the name of Jesus. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Look at your neighbor and tell them God is good this morning. And you may be seated. God is good. It's good to see your smiling faces again. But can you imagine here not being able to communicate with each other? Uh, how many when you see um, a relative you haven't seen in a long time, there's a proper way to do this. If, For example, if uh, when my grandparents were alive, if I saw them, it was with, with much respect, number one. It was calling them by their name, grandma, grandpa, so-and-so. I address them, I'd say hello to them. I don't know if you grew up like me, but you have respect for family members. You have respect for especially your grandparents. And unfortunately, we're losing that in this day and age, amen? How many, how many could say amen to that? Amen. If you don't believe me, go to Walmart today and stand in line and you'll see all sorts of things today, okay? That was for free, that was for you, Justin, all right. I pick on Justin because he used to work at Walmart, so hey. And his wife, but we won't go there. It's just about you, Justin. All right. But here, what I want to talk to you about at the outset is that we have to have a personal connection with those that we speak with. You don't just go in there and just jump in and say, hey, how you doing? And without addressing, hey, hello, how are you? How are you today? How are you doing? Um, and typically you say their name. You say, it's good to see you, Justin. It's good to see you, Bianca. It's good to see you, IV. And you begin that conversation. It's no different when we address our Heavenly Father. And notice that I want to take you to, and break this down, our first point we're going to look at is the beginning of that prayer. Our Father, that's personal. Say our Father with me. Say our Father. Our Father. Now here's, here's, the, here's the thing. In our life, you may not have grown up with a Father possibly in your life. Or secondly, that father-son-daughter relationship may not have been the best. And I understand that. That's life. Life happens. And that's not fair. And sometimes you may grow up, some people may have grown up without the concept of what a loving father is supposed to look like. And that's why our God wants to remind you that you're not fatherless. You're not an orphan. 
He's with you, amen? amen. There's no greater thing to know that he's a, he wants to connect with you as a father. He wants to be a father to each of you this morning. How many are thankful for that? That you have a heavenly father, yes. amen? Not only that, it's personal. It's for believers. Not, not all those outside this room in this community can call our Heavenly Father, Father. That's a, a strictly reserved for you as believers. You and I as believers can call Him Abba, Father. Father, that's the closest, dearest term you can call Him. It, it, there's no greater term to call your, your God than Father. That is fellowship. That is extreme intimacy right there. Just like you, you husbands, you wives, when you look at your, your, your boo and you say, hey honey, hey babe. You know, there, there's a term that you have for them that you can call them. And you know when you say that term, they know you're, you're like this, right? Each of you hopefully have a term for your significant other that when you say that term, you know, okay, I got this, you know. But the Lord wants us to call him father. In fact, he desires that. He wants each of his children to know that he is a good, good father. Amen? Yes. We have heard God called Elohim, the creator God. Check these other names out that he's known as. He's Adonai, the Lord. We know him as Jehovah, the God who is keeping, who keeps his covenant. El Elyon, the most high God. El Olam, the, the everlasting, unchanging God. El Shaddai, God Almighty full of grace. El Roy, the God who sees. Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. And of course, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And there's many, many more titles, descriptors of God. But the one that he desires is Father. Father. He, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God that will provide. He is God, Jehovah Shalom, my God is peace, and much more. But he desires to be your Father. Amen. Keep that in mind. Psalm 68 and verse 55 says this. He is a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. And that leads us to the next point here. Hallowed be your name. What that means is holy is his name. The word holy in the Bible, anytime you come across that word, it means to be set apart. It means to be different. Because how, how many know, speaking of just the term holiness, the world does not exhibit holiness. That's a, that's a no-brainer. Holiness is to be set apart that people can say and see there's something different about that situation. There's something different about that person. That's what holiness means. And the word, when you mention your father, hallowed be that name. How holy is his name. Reverence that name. See, before I became a believer, I didn't reverence that name. In fact, that name would flow off of my lips in other ways that shouldn't flow off of my lips. How many know what I'm talking about here? When you begin to take the name of God in vain, and that is the extreme insult to God, is taking his name in vain. God, thank you for forgiveness of sins. Amen? Jesus teaches us to call God our Father. Recognize his exalted place of dwelling and to reverence him. Reverence that name. When, when someone around you at work says blankety blank and takes the names, the Lord's name in vain, you should, you should call them out on that. If, if, you're, if they know you're a believer, 
How many have been around places where somebody will say that, they know you're a believer, and they'll look at you and say, oh, I'm sorry, or excuse me for my French, or, you know, some silly thing like that, right? Well, you need to stand up and tell them, well, you know what, as a believer, that offends me. And, and call them out on that. And they won't say those things in, in your presence. Amen? Amen? Because the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. Amen? The Holy Spirit of God is, is troubled by that when you allow that to go unchecked. That was just for free. All right. Hallowed be your name. Father, may we, be, may we treat your name with respect and honor. Always. Always with yeah. respect yes. and honor. Yeah. That your holiness demands. While the Lord does want us to approach him as little children. He wants us to come to him as little children, but he always desires that we reverence and respect his holy name. Amen? Amen. Hallowed yes. be your name, Lord. Isaiah 43 and verse 15 says, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator, your king. Let me say that again. I am the Lord, your holy one. He alone is the Holy One, the Bible says. Israel's creator, your king. Let's go on. Number three. Your will be done. Your will be done in heaven, or in earth, just as it is in heaven, the Bible says. And what does that mean? Well, it's talking about how anything that God declares in heaven, obviously, is being done in heaven. That's because they're in one mind and one accord. The Bible says to be in one, of one mind and one accord. Have unity amongst yourselves. And, and the Lord wants us to have that unity here on this earth so that his will can be done. You know when the Lord's will is not done? Is when we disobey. When, when there's disunity. When there's people arguing. When you're not on the same page. There's no unity. And I, I don't have to explain that. You know that. Amen? Amen? That could have been your family on the way to church this morning. God forbid. But it's, it's, uh, it's funny how the devil will try to attack you on your way to church. And you got to rebuke that in the name of Jesus and realize, I'm going to go bless his holy name today. I'm going to go take the time to worship my God today. Yes, yes, Amen. Yes. Let your will be done, Lord. Yes. All our prayers come first, conform first to God's will. Our prayers have to conform to his will. And, and I can't emphasize that enough here. How many times have you heard me say, when you pray, be specific. And you've heard me say this over and over here, and I can't emphasize it enough to you, church. When my family has prayed for a, a purchase of a house, for a new job, we are specific. We write a list out, and if you come to my house, I'll show you that list that we wrote in pencil uh, a few years ago for a recent home that we bought. And it lays out everything in there that you see if you come to our house. It has a fireplace, has an open, spacious kitchen, newly updated kitchen, has an RV parking. And I don't live in a mansion, God forbid, I don't. But it's a nice house because we prayed, we wrote down specifically what we wanted, we laid hands on it, and two years later, God answered that prayer in his timing. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Give the Lord a hand. How many have done that before? Are you specific when you pray? I know I've taught a few of you that, and you've seen God come through in your life with that. I did that with Anna. I, I put in my request. I, 25 years ago, I put in a request, and, and I said, Lord, this is, this is what I want in a wife, and I wrote, I'm serious, you don't believe me. I pray that way, and I see God answer that way. 
Before I met Anna, and I, and I listed those requirements, she, see, you see, she's not five feet tall by accident. I prayed for that. <laughs> she doesn't like to sing up here by accident. I prayed for that. She doesn't love kids as an awesome mother just by accident. I prayed for that. I prayed for all that. So when I prayed for that, I knew God was going to give that to me. It was only a matter of time. Amen. Before I met her, I prayed for a, a, a yellow house with white trim and a white picket fence and a big backyard. And I wrote those things down. And that's exactly what God gave me when I bought a house in Napa that, that size. I, I'm a believer in specific prayer. God's will will be done when you seek his will, when you're walking in obedience. Now, do you think God would have granted me those desires if I had not been walking in his will? No, of course not. He's gonna leave me hanging. I'm gonna be like that guy going, God, are you, do you listen? Are you there? Well, he wants us to walk in obedience, amen? Walk in obedience, and the Bible says, and I will give you the desires of your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? I've seen that in my life. I want you to understand God wants the same for you, amen? amen. Your will be done. Teach us to pray, Lord. Part of that teaching is to determine God's will and pray along those lines. So, for example, if I, if I had begun to pray for this house, but it, it would take me out of the will of God, if it took me to another community and away from here, do you think that would be in the will of God for me? No, no. God's not going to give you anything that's outside of his will. You can choose to go there. But God's desire, you have to check that with his word. Is that confirmed by other people for your life? Is that confirmed by the word of God for your life? Don't jump into something big without knowing for sure that's God's will for your life. And if you're not sure, seek counsel. Ask for prayer. God's will will be revealed to you. How many know that? He will make it crystal clear for you what his will is. Amen? Jeremiah 29 and 11. One of the greatest scriptures for you and I as believers. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Amen. How many hold on to that promise every day? God wants to give you a hope and a future. You're not stuck in that trial today. You're not stuck in that testing period right now. You're going through it. You're not stuck in it. Amen? Amen. 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 God's will be done. Amen. How many are thankful that His will can be done in our lives? Amen? Amen. Amen. Here's the other thing. We can mistakenly worry about tomorrow without realizing that God wants us to live today. Have you ever got caught up in that? Where you begin to, to stress out about tomorrow, next week, next month. You know, you got that test coming up. If you're, if you're a young person here today in college, in high school, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's that test. The doctor found something on a, on, a, on a test and he wants you to come back for more testing and you're worried. And, and you begin, your mind begins to go off and wander, right? And it creates a scenario, and the devil's just enjoying that because the devil's a liar, amen? The devil is a liar, and he'll plant a thought in your mind, and you'll begin to imagine all kinds of crazy things. God wants you to realize you take one day at a time, amen? 
just like that song that we sang, that last song. Give me the peace I need today, Lord. Grant me an obedient heart today, Lord, to live for you today. Let your will be done today. Far too often we get worried, so worried about what tomorrow holds, about um, things that, that are trivial. And let's face it, most of the time when you worry, there are things that you can't control, number one. And then you look back at it later and you go, that was no big deal. That was really, that was really a piece of cake, right? And that's usually what happens to most of us, is we look back at it and say, wow, why was I worried? I was all stressed out. I was getting an ulcer over nothing, right? The Lord wants you to remind you today, he is your peace, amen? He's your peace. Let his will be done in your life. And then it takes us to our daily bread. Our daily bread. I don't need to ask for you to raise your hands, but hopefully you're reading the Word of God every day. If you're not reading it, you're listening to it in some fashion. That is really what he's talking about, the daily bread. God is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. He is what gives us sustenance, what provides us nourishment. Not only is he our, our bread, but how many, how many remember the story in Exodus, the Old Testament, when the Hebrews, the Israelites, were going through the desert? And the Lord had set up his tabernacle, which we're going to talk about Wednesday night's Bible study. Come join us this Wednesday. It's going to be exciting about prayer. But um, Exodus chapter 16 specifically, it talked about how, how the Lord, how the people were complaining. They were complaining. Lord, you know, we, we want some food to eat. He brought us out here into the desert to die. We're all going to die. And their shoes weren't wearing out. The Bible says. And so the Lord provides them manna from heaven. Every morning they wake up and God would give them manna. It would rain down manna. And they were to go out and collect it. And they were to collect what was necessary for that one day. They were to collect one day at a time. Everybody say one day at a time. One day at a time. And they were to collect it. The only time they were to collect more than one day was on the Sabbath. The, the, the night before the Sabbath. Because they couldn't go out on the Sabbath and collect they will collect enough for two days. Because if they did that any other day, the, the, the maggots would get to it and they would turn to, to worms the following day. So they were only to gather up enough for what they needed. Amen? Amen? God didn't want them to worry about tomorrow. He said, I got your needs covered today. Instead of the people saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for, for feeding us, for taking care of us. They soon began to complain and say, oh, Lord, is more manna? Again, Lord, more manna? And then they began to cry out for something else. They began to cry out for, for birds and meat and sustenance, right? Isn't that just like us? God provides the need and we complain. Oh, well, Lord, the house isn't big enough. Oh, Lord, that new job, it doesn't pay me enough. Oh, Lord, those clothes, they're, they're old. I, I want brand new clothes. Uh, that... that you fill in the blank. We, we complain rather than say, Lord, thank you for meeting that need today. Thank you for giving me to eat physically and spiritually. Amen? Amen. Bread, of course, is the staple of life. That's what we must survive on. And it's generally used for food because it's, it's, it's one of the most important foods, you know, for, 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 for most of us. And it could be tortillas for other people. I'm just saying but all of us need something to sustain us. And spiritually speaking, the Word of God is what sustains you. If you do not read the Word of God, 
If you do not listen to the word of God, your spirit person, your spirit man, woman is going to die. It's going to shrivel up and die. Uh, and I don't have to tell you that. You may be here today and not, ex not feeling the word of God, not feeling the Lord. Well, let me ask you, have you read his word? Have you been reading his word? Have you been praying? Let me challenge you to begin to do that today. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34. And I always remind myself about this scripture. And I don't know if we have it up here. There it is. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. I want everybody to repeat that with me. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. That's hard to do. It's, it's easier said than done. How many have something important going on this week? Raise your hand if you have something important that's going on. Something important going on. And, and you may be here today already stressing about that or thinking about that. And God's saying with that scripture and others like this, hey, listen, I got your back. I got you taken care of. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Amen? Amen. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that the truth? Every day has its own troubles. You may be here sitting today and everything's going good. Every, as they say, everything's going hunky-dory. Life is good. You know, the, the spouse is good. The kids are good. The, the dog comes up to you and, you know, the food's good. The refrigerator, you just went to Costco. The refrigerator's full. You haven't been to Walmart in a month. Everything's going good. But it could fall apart this afternoon. God still has your back. God is taking care of you one day at a time. And, and we have to learn not to get so stressed out over inconsequential things that we look back and say, man, that was, that was a whole waste of time worrying over that that I'll never get back. You know, the devil wants nothing more than to rob you of your joy. Amen. Amen? He wants you to walk around like this. Oh. You know those Christians. We don't have any here in this church. But you know those Christians. Been sucking on sour lemons all day long, right? Thank God you're not like that. But that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to steal your joy. Don't allow that to happen. Amen? Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And, and here's, uh, I've, I've neglected to tell you, but this prayer is really broken up into three, three aspects. It meets our physical needs. The very first um, three things here, four things actually, um, meet our spiritual needs, or excuse me, our physical needs. This next one meets our spiritual need, and that is our debtors, our debtors. And again, the Lord's Prayer, Lord's Prayer says this. It says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. How many know that forgiveness is the key to life? Forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. Forgiveness, forgiveness will rob you, steal, and kill your joy. I'm telling you right now, for lack of forgiveness, excuse me, will steal your joy. Amen? Amen. The Greek word hos for debtors is a conjunction mar marking a point of comparison, meaning as. 
Jesus teaches us to ask God to forgive us as we forgive others. Did you catch that again? Jesus teaches us to ask God for to forgive us. Lord, forgive me. But it's predicated upon you having asked for forgiveness from others. You cannot come and ask God to forgive you if you have an issue with your brother or sister. If you have not forgiven them. If you're harboring bitterness, unforgiveness, God will not forgive you. Let me tell you that right now. God will not forgive you of that sin. Now, can you live for God? Yeah, you can. But you're going to be robbed of blessings because of that. God truly wants to bless you, but he wants to remind you, you need to ask somebody to forgive you. Take care of it Amen. before you bring that gift to him. Amen. If we, if we forgive others only a little and hold grudges, guess what God does? Guess what God does? We're basically asking him, well, God, forgive me a little. And, and, and you could just hold a little grudge against me. That's really what we're saying. What we should say is, Lord, forgive me. Check my heart, Lord. I, I look in, inwardly and, and Lord, reveal to me if, I'm, if I have an issue with anybody. Let me go back to them and ask them to forgive me. If that's you this morning, maybe that's your spouse you need to do that with. Maybe you need to go back and, and say after church or maybe today, today before you leave. Say, honey, please forgive me for my spirit. I, I, I haven't been right with you and I need you to forgive me. How many times have you heard me say, you don't just say, I'm sorry, but you take it a step further as a believer. I really wholeheartedly believe this. You say, I'm sorry, and then you go up to him and say, I need you to forgive me. See, that's powerful. Anybody can say, I'm sorry. A two-year-old can say that. But when you go up to them and say, I need you to forgive me, you do. You need their forgiveness. Now, they can choose to do that or not, but once you've asked for that, God sets you free. God sets you free when you ask for forgiveness. How many know that? Amen. It's for your benefit. It's not really for the others person. It's for your benefit. God wants to release you from any unforgiveness. In fact, the next couple of verses in Matthew chapter 6, after this model prayer, say this, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. That's scary. That should be scary to you right there. Again, let me repeat that. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We have to be careful with that. Church, we have to be careful. We can't play around with that. It's too important. Life is too short to go through your, your life and not, not be living a life of forgiveness. Amen? Jesus went to the cross for you so that you wouldn't have to go through bitterness and, and, and hate and all that nonsense. Amen? Yeah. This is our spiritual need here where he meets these needs. Debtors, Lord, forgive us of our debts. Forgive us of our trespasses, as another version says. And then number six, Keep us from temptation. Wow, we live in a world filled with temptations. Everywhere you look, many of us are, they say men are visual 
and, and women are more emotional in that sense. Men, how many know, we, we can be tempted by just visual, right? Billboards, uh, magazines, internet. I mean, you put something, an image, and, and it's a temptation to, it can be a temptation to men. The Bible says here, keep us from temptation. But do you do this? Do you flirt with temptation? Do you put yourself in those situations where you know you're weak? Every one of you here as adults, and you young people are are already discovering what those places are. But adults, you know where you're weak at. Nobody has to tell you that. God has designed it so that you and I know, okay, I don't do too well in this area, so I, I gotta manage this in a good way. I gotta be out of there. I, I can't be there in that situation. How many know what I'm talking about? If, if there's an issue, situation in your life, uh, maybe it's a vice. Maybe it's something that you know if you go down that road where it's gonna lead, then why are you going down that road, right? God doesn't want you going down that road. He wants to keep you away from temptation. If you know that's evil, go this way. If you know that way's evil, go this way, amen? And it will go well with you, amen? We don't exactly seek temptation, but sometimes we're attracted to sinful things. I used to say this, you know, and, and you've heard people say this that have come out from the world of, un, of unbelief before I became a believer, the Bible even says this, sin is fun for a season, right? So there, there is fun, there is pleasure in sin. Doesn't mean that that's where we need to be though. And unfortunately, when you play with fire, you get burnt. God wants and gave us a moral choice. He wants you and I to choose him. He said, here you go. Here's road A, here's road B. Go for it. Have at it. And what he wants is disciples, people that willingly choose him. Now, unfortunately, some of us are always going to choose that hard path. How many know what I'm talking about? There's people that always choose that hard path that they're, they have to learn the hard way. And, 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 and God still loves them. God will still bless them. But they're going to have to get bumped up, hit, hurt, wet. I mean, all these things to get to the point where God wants them to get to. And, and, and really, they could have spared themsel themselves all that if they had just followed God in the path that he had wanted, amen? amen? But again, Lord, keep us from temptation. Sometimes our resistance is low. Sometimes when, when you're not reading the word of God and you're not praying, this te the temptations become, oh, no, no, no problem. You know, maybe it's eating. It could be an eating problem today. Um, well, then don't go to Costco after church and buy yourself a big 14-inch pie. You know, I know they have big cheesecake pies. If you don't want, if you have one and you want to get rid of it, I love cheesecake. Just saying. But, you know, if you, if you have a problem with that, don't go feed that. If, if you have a problem with alcohol, don't go down to the bar. If you have a problem with drugs, don't go down to the corner where you know they're selling stuff left and right. You know, whatever that temptation is, stay away from it. How many know that that's the only way you, you avoid temptation? God will give you the strength to endure it. Amen. Amen? God will give you the strength. Some of you today may be ashamed of secret sins in your life and afraid to open them up to God because you would never want anybody to know. Let me break that, uh, burst that bubble right now. God knows everything. Amen. God knows everything done in secret 
He knows everything done in public. There's nothing here that's hidden. I don't need to know it. Just confess it to God, amen? Confess it to God Almighty and he will, he will forgive you and then he'll keep you from temptation. The miracle of the cross is that he came to die for you and to give us forgiveness of sins and give us Holy Ghost power to overcome that sin. How many know that? Amen? He came to give you power to overcome that. We're not to fight a, a secret war against sin. Oh, I guess it's just me and against this problem I have and nobody knows. Uh, have you ever confided in somebody? Have you ever asked somebody to come alongside you and say, hey, I'll pray with you on that. There's, there's power in that. AA does that. NA does that. Why not us as believers? Pick somebody that you know can pray. I know that's, your, that's me. You can, you're always welcome to come to me. And, and I can keep anything in confidence because that's my job. But I would love to come alongside and pray with you. But there's also plenty of people here in this church, men, women, women, if you have an issue, get alongside my wife or some other woman and say, can you pray with me? Would you agree with me on these things? Men, if there's an issue that you're dealing with, there's men here, there's myself, that will come alongside you in confidence and lift you up in prayer. Amen? Amen. The Bible says this in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy. And this is, this is tough the very first time I read this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. How many know that's a tough scripture right there? Consider it pure joy. Did you know that what God is saying when you're going through a trial? Count it joy. Consider it joy. Why? God is shaping you and molding you into the person he wants you to be so that you now can go ahead as an overcomer. Now that you've turned that testimony or that test into a testimony, you can now share it with somebody else that's going through the same issue. You can now be a big help to somebody else because you're not the first one that's gone through this rodeo. Let me tell you, everybody here is facing something that somebody else has gone through before. You're not the first one. And those people, in turn, you can help those people. Yep. Amen? Amen? God is shaping you and molding you into that person he wants you to be. Again, this is meeting a spiritual need. And then lastly here, I want to talk to you real quickly about emotional needs. And that's deliver us, Lord. Deliver us. How many know that we all need deliverance? Amen? Amen. We need deliverance. And it's not just a one-time thing. You know, we, did, we need deliverance from our sins when we first come to Him as believers. But throughout our spiritual walk, we need God to, to deliver us from certain situations at times. The Bible says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. If you missed out on our uh, Bible study, uh, The Armor of God, we learned that we have these, these pieces of armor that protect us. We have all defensive weapon armor except for one, which is the sword, the Word of God. And therefore, your protection, the Bible talks about these in the book of Ephesians. And here, what we're, what we're talking about is this is the recognition that we're in a spiritual warfare with our enemy. Every day, you are in a spiritual warfare with your enemy. The, the minute you got up this morning, 
Come on, let's go public this morning. Some, some of you were tempted to just stay in that nice warm bed. That's a spiritual battle. It's not that the, you have the best down comforter at Costco and that, and that you're in that, that's in your nice bed. That's a spiritual attack. The enemy wants you to stay there, right? The enemy wants to prevent you from receiving something that's going to give you a breakthrough today that you can leave here saying, Hallelujah, Lord, you blessed me. I get it. I see it. This is going to help my marriage. This is going to help my kids. This is going to help me at my job. This is what the Lord wants to give you. And, and, and if we're not careful, the, the devil can steal that from us. He's here to kill. He seek, kill, and destroy. Amen? Be aware that we have an enemy. The, the, when, you know, I love sports. And one of the great things that uh, when, you're, when you grow up playing baseball and, and sports is that you learn about your competition. You, you do your best, you do your part, but you have to have some sort of, uh, of knowledge of your enemy, of your competition. If you don't, if you don't have a scouting report, you're going to be behind the eight ball, as they say. You have to learn about your enemy. The Bible's no different. The Bible warns us plenty. It gives us so much information here to prepare us. Amen? The Lord wants to deliver you from your enemy. So when we call out to God for rescue, for deliverance, for salvation, He hears us. Amen? He's right there. In the middle of your storm, today, you can begin to call Him yeah. and say, Lord, help me. I need your help. I can't do this by myself. That's You've right. been there? You can't do it by yourself? Have you recognized that? Yeah. You can't do it on your own. None of us can. I don't care how, how much you pray, how much you read the Word of God, you can't do it on your own. You have to have... God in you. Amen. God in you. The God of peace. Amen. Yes. As I close this morning, I want to read a scripture to you. It's found in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. And look at that. We have it up here on the screen. If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Do you recall who said that? Jesus said that on the cross. Again, this is the emotional need. See, even Jesus as a man... Felt the Bible says he was tempted in all points, just like you and I. Even Jesus on the cross said, Lord, Heavenly Father, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering from me. I mean, we can't imagine. We, we think we go through trials. We can't comprehend what that must have been like. But we all get to that point when we're tempted, when we go through situations, when we begin to say, Lord, help me. I can't do this on my own. That's when you're at your victory right there. When you can begin to confess that. You're at the point of victory. Amen. That's how close you are. I want to remind you this morning. That we are to live. One day at a time. One day at a time. In Spanish there's a beautiful song. It's called Un Dia a la Vez. I'm not going to ask you to sing that right now. But it's, it's a reminder. One day at a time. One day at a time. And too often in what I call our microwave generation here in the United States, in California, uh, people from across the United States think we're all nuts here in California. How many know that? But we live this fast-paced life. We, tomorrow, we're all going to get up, most of us, except for you retired people, tomorrow, Saturday, <laughs> again. We're all going to get up, go to a job, Come home, make dinner, feed the kids, throw a load in the laundry if we have time, go to bed, repeat it again, 
get up, come home, and put it on, rewind all over again. But don't miss the point here. Every day, God is protecting you. He's, he's giving you opportunities to, to model this prayer to meet your needs every single day of your life. We, we can get too caught up in, oh, well, it's Monday. I got to get through Friday. I, I, we have this FedEx driver, and he, he tells us he'll come in on Monday and say, okay, Rick, got four more wake-ups, and then the pain's all over. That's what he says. He says that. Because you can't wait to get to Saturday, right? Saturday, the pain's all over because he doesn't have to work. And that truly, that's a sad way to look at it. What you're saying is, my life is so miserable. There's nothing good between Monday through Friday. And, and everything that I look forward to only happens on the weekend. That's a poor existence. They're missing out on five out of every seven days. That's a terrible existence. And I know he's not living that way, but that form, that expression, is just not what I would want to say. I want to say, Lord, today is the day that you have made, not just on Sunday. I'll say that on Monday mornings. I'll say that on Tuesday mornings. I say that on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday mornings. Today is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it.